Good morning, everyone. Man, it is so good to see so many of you here at the 8 a.m. Listen, I need next week, I need some of you to go to the 930 service and the 11 o'clock service because like we're going to have to turn people away in the 8 a.m. I'm just kidding, but I am so grateful that some of you woke up a little early to come to our 8 a.m. service today. Last week, we turned people away at 930 and 11. Let me tell you what we're doing starting February 7th. We got a brand new 10 a.m. service that will take place at Summit Christian Academy. For those of you who were part of our church a year ago, uh, we actually had 500 of the people in our church that actually met at Summit Lakes Middle School um, every week. We had five services, three here, two at a different campus. And slowly but surely, we're getting back to that, which is really, really exciting. Maybe by March um, 17th, when, when last week we had to pull everything back, maybe we, we will be back closer to full strength. But we are at a point now where we are going to ask about 75 people who normally come to the 930 service to maybe go to Summit Christian Academy at 10, live worship, kids ministry, live teaching most of the time. Um, We're going to ask about 75 people who normally come at the 11 a.m., to maybe go to the 10 a.m. at Summit Christian Academy. And, I, and, and you know the building's coming, so you'll, you'll be back. Um, but probably we'll be up to five or six services, three here, five, two or three someplace else, before we get going. Um, and we utilize a little video teaching in that 9, 30, 10, 11 o'clock rotation. Of course, the 8 a.m. will always be live, so if you can wake up and get here early, um, nothing will change for you. But next week, we'll give you an opportunity to sign up for that service um, and maybe even volunteer for that service. And let me tell you why we're doing that. We still have more of our church watching online than in person. For those of you who are online, we love you. We miss you. Last week was the closest that we've ever been to having um, our in-person attendance and our online attendance match. So they're slowly coming back together. But honestly, we don't have room for those who have been watching online and want to come back unless we open up um, some more opportunities with more services. So um, if you would pray about maybe if 10 o'clock is your sweet spot, you like to sleep in a little bit, you like to get done with church a little earlier than our 11 o'clock gives you, um, 10 a.m. at Summit Christian Academy starting on February 7th. We'll start over there, um, and then that night we'll go home and watch the Chiefs probably beat the Packers in the Super Bowl. That That sounds good, right? We can do that on February 7th together, Lord willing. Um, I'm praying Aaron Rodgers gets COVID February 1. Um, hey, we're in, a, uh, we're, we're in a series this year starting the year called This Is Journey where we are trying to help you understand kind of our discipleship trajectory for you this year. Let me give you the, the premise of this series. Say, why are we talking about this? We want you to learn the heartbeat of our local church so you can engage in the calling and vision God has given us. We're talking about three things last week, prayer, today, discipleship. Um, and next week, we'll be talking about our long-term vision of being a church that equips people in order to send them out to start new churches, to go on the mission field, um, to, to start new initiatives for Jesus. But you have to understand the way that we define the word church. We do not define the word church as journey. We do not believe the church is an organization. We believe the church is a person, um, and it's a group of people. You are the church. Um, collectively, we, when we are living on mission, we together are the church, but you are the church. Journey is not the church. Organizations are not the church. Buildings are not the church. People are God's church. Uh, Paul told the church at Corinth that the spirit of God lives in you. You are God's temple now. You are God's church. You are supposed to be doing God's mission. We, when we started our church nine years ago, very intentionally didn't even put the word church in our mission statement. We are not trying to build a church. We are trying to build Christians. We say it every week at our church. We exist to see people far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, but he told his disciples, you build people. 
So we believe at Journey that if we build people, God will build the church. But whether we have one person or 1,000 people, we are not an organization. We are just a collection of people who are called to be God's church together. This weekend, 10 years ago, was a special weekend for me. I told you last Sunday was the actual 10-year anniversary of the first time 15 people gathered in my home, and we said, let's, let's in our community plant something that might impact lives deeply. This weekend, MLK weekend, 10 years ago, Danielle and I and our two kids got on an airplane and we went and we visited four churches over a weekend, two in North Carolina, one in South Carolina, one in Georgia. And we connected in Georgia with a pastor by the name of Brian Beloy. We'll unpack on the podcast this week, way more information. But we, we met a pastor who invited us to be a part of their church planning organization and they said, let us help you. Um, by the time I had gone a week out of that trip, they had connected me with a church planning coach who would walk with me over the next nine months to help us plan an impactful, organized, kind of kind of healthy launch of our congregation in this community. And one of the first things they asked me is, Christian, what are the what are the things you're most passionate about? What are what would be your values? We didn't have any written values at the time. Like, what would be if you say you have some core values, some core beliefs? What would those be? And I'm like, man, I'm passionate about like everything. I value everything. So you're gonna have to rephrase that question for me to to understand what you're trying to get me to decide. And my pastor coach, his name was Mac, um, said this. He said, if you had a church of 10,000 people and this wasn't happening, you would say that church failed. What do you value? And I said instantly, spiritual growth. If we had a church of 10 people or 10,000 people, but none of them were growing spiritually, I think we would be total failures. Like I think the purpose of the church is to help people grow spiritually. If that doesn't happen... We would, we, would, we would be total failure. No matter how many people sat in the services, if they weren't growing spiritually, we would be failures. And if you were to ask me today, Christian, what's the thing nine years into the church that keeps you up more than anything else at night? It would be the fact that we've not done that as well as, as, well as I would like to. I think as well as we're called to. If you say, what's the thing that gets you up excited in the morning? It's the fact that we're not done yet. And I think we have another nine years. And we are putting together plans to do this even better as our church grows, as our church expands, as our, as our ability to minister to more people um, continues to expand. We think we've got even a better plan to help people grow spiritually than we ever have before. So today we're going to talk a little bit about discipleship. One of the ways we said we're going to help people grow spiritually better in years 9 through 18 than years 1 through 9 is we're going to start going to verse-by-verse Bible teaching. We're just going to teach through books of the Bible. We started this last fall. We'll be back here in two weeks. We started kind of teaching through the book of Matthew. We'll be back in Matthew chapter 5 in two weeks in a series called Chasing Perfection. It's based on Matthew 5:48 that says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. You're going to hear Jesus say to connect to God, you have to be as perfect as me. Here is the standard. And we're going to learn the standards that demand a savior. By the time we get done with Matthew chapter five, we're going to think no matter how good we are without Jesus, we're toast spiritually. We're going to lean into Jesus. Then we're going to go through Matthew six and we're going through Matthew seven. Then we're going to go through Matthew eight. So one of the ways we decided we could do discipleship better was just every week, just pick a book of the Bible and just teach verse by verse through the book of the Bible, who Jesus is and who Jesus wants you to be. So in two weeks, we're in Matthew chapter five. Today, we're going to peek ahead probably a year or two in our Bible teaching curriculum. We're going to be in Matthew 22. So if you have your Bible, pull your notes out. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22, and let's get ready to dig into God's word together in Matthew chapter 22. Here are the goals of today's message as you find your spot in your Bible or maybe on um, your your Bible app. Uh, We want to see the call of discipleship to followers of Jesus and the content that it requires. We want to see 
what Jesus asked his followers to do and how he asked them to accomplish that. And then number two, we want to find our current place and our next steps on our spiritual pathway. I dropped a pin this week for the first time in my life. Any of you ever done that um, on your phone? I'm not real technological. I've got an iPhone 7 that doesn't work most of the time. And on Monday this week, before my son went back to school, um, we went and got haircuts. I beat him to the place where we get a haircut. And Amy, I guess he forgot how to get to your house because he texted me and he's like, Dad, what's the address? And I'm like, I don't know what the address is. And he's like, well, give me your location. And I'm like, how, how would I do that? And he's like, you get like, so go to the maps. And he kind of walked me through and he said, there's going to be a button and it will, it will basically, you will become my location. Then you can send that to me. And I did it. And I thought, that's incredible. Like what an incredible piece of technology. Um, what I have found, Danielle is like ashamed of me on the front row. She's like, Lord, help my husband. Um, what I have found is you, you can't get anywhere in life unless you know exactly where you are and exactly where you're going. Like try to use your maps function without a starting or an ending destination. It doesn't work. So my goal today is for you to walk out of this service kind of knowing exactly where you are in our discipleship pathway and, and where you need to go so you can begin your journey if you're not on it yet. Those are the two pieces of information you need to know where you are and, and where ultimately you are headed. Before we ever dig into scripture, we always like to pray and ask God to kind of turn the soil of our heart over a little bit. So let's pray together here. And if you're watching online, take a deep breath. And just whisper this prayer from your heart to heaven. Ask God to speak to you today and tell him you're listening. God, speak to us today. We're, we're listening to your call. Let us hear your call to discipleship and disciple-making today. And then, God, I pray you'd help us be more effective the next nine years than we've been the last nine years. We want to do better in this area. We pray you'd help us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Matthew chapter 22, an expert in the law, um, comes to ask Jesus a question. Now, let me give you maybe just a small picture of what that means. An expert in the law would have been somebody who was an expert in the Jewish law. You say, what's the Jewish law? Like the Ten Commandments? Kind of. But the Jewish law had been expanded in the days of Jesus to 613 different commands. There are actually 613 different commands between Genesis and Deuteronomy. I printed them out last night. They're called the mitzvot um, in Hebrew language. 613 commands, um, 12-point font, double space, 38 pages to print out the 613 commands. If you're ever looking for some filler for your term papers, college kids and high school kids, like, just go to the, the mitzvah. The, what, what, the, what this religious expert was asking Jesus was, like, is there a summary for this? <laughs> like, is there a summary for this? Is there a Cliff Notes version for the 613, like, all the things you're asking me to do? Um, is there one that's, like, the most important? And Jesus said, there absolutely is. And he kind of summarized him in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36, 37, and 38. Teacher, here's the question. Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus had lots of questions asked of him, and he answered lots of questions. But this was a pretty key question spiritually, because someone came to Jesus and said, I am aware of all of the teaching of your word. Is there one thing that's most important out of this list? And Jesus said, there absolutely is. You should love God with all your heart, 
with all your soul and with all your mind. He would say, really, all those laws are summed up in that. If somebody were to ask Jesus one question, Jesus, what's the most important thing for me to know? If you got to ask Jesus one question today, if, if somehow he sent you an email and said you got one question or he passed him on the street and he said, I got time for one question. Um, one of our kids leaders, before I ever come in on Sunday morning, I always stop in all the kids' environments and say hey to the kids. And one of the kids' leaders said, Christian, do you have one second today? And I said, I do. And he introduced me to a fourth grader um, who, who, likes to, who likes to rap. And he said, man, you should hear this kid free style. And as I was talking to this kid, I said, do you freestyle about Jesus yet? And he's like, no. And I said, learn every story of Jesus and then start freestyling about Jesus. And I believe God will put you on a platform to tell the whole world about Jesus. But it started with Christian. You have one second. If you had one second with Jesus and you said, just just give me the, give me the, the headlines. What do I need to know? Jesus would say, love God with everything you got, man, love God with everything you got. That is our goal as a church, to help you accomplish this purpose in your life. Remember our mission statement. We want to see people far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. We want to help people who are followers of Jesus become more passionate in their faith. We want to help you love God with everything you have. And the way that that occurs in church for the last 2,000 years is the ministry of discipleship. It's the ministry of becoming a fully devoted, fully dedicated follower of Jesus. Today, we're going to talk about discipleship. We're going to talk about the purpose of discipleship. We're going to talk about the process of discipleship. We're going to talk about our pathway of discipleship. And then I hope you leave thinking, I want to be a better disciple. And man, one day, if I'm not already, I'd like to be a disciple maker. Let's start with the purpose of discipleship. What is the purpose of discipleship? To answer this question, we got to unpack the word disciple because um, I don't know that anyone would say you are this in any part of your life. It's not, a, it's not a modern word that we use a lot. A disciple in the Greek, it's the word methetes. It's a pupil of a teacher that both accepts the views of the teacher and practices them in their life. A disciple is someone who says, I believe everything they say and I would like to do everything they do. So it's not just a learner, that's a student. Um, and it's, it's not just kind of an, an apprentice. That's someone who learns to... It's, a, it's both of those things. A disciple, someone who, who believes, accepts all the views of the teacher and practices them in their life. Let me give you just some biblical context to this word. This word's used 294 times, the word disciple, in the New Testament to refer mostly to the followers of Jesus. John the Baptist also had disciples. They accepted his teaching and lived like he lived. The Pharisees and Sadducees had disciples. They accepted their teaching, and they live like they live. But most of the time this is used, it's used of followers of Jesus. But you might jot this down. The word disciples only found in the New Testament in the Gospels and Acts. Only five of the 27 books in the New Testament contain the word disciple. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. It's not found after that. You say, why is that? Because there's a transition in the book of Acts. Um, for followers of Jesus... 2,000 years ago, their primary descriptor became even stronger than the term disciple. They were not just people who followed a way of teaching and a way of life. They were a group of, follow, a group of people who followed a person who had teaching and a way of life. And in Acts chapter 11, the disciples went from being called disciples because everyone was a disciple of someone 
And they went from being known as the person that they were the disciple of, the disciples of Jesus became most identified with their teacher in the city of Antioch, modern-day Syria, where they started calling them Christians in Acts eleven twenty six. They were not just known for what they believed and how they lived their life. They were known for their teacher. They were known for what their teacher taught and how their teacher lived. Key question, key question today. What does it mean to people today that you are a Christian? What does it mean that you are a Christ one? What does it mean that you are a Jesus follower? If you were to ask somebody, what does it mean to you that I am a Christian? Would they associate you with a religion? Would they associate you with religious practices? Or would they associate you with a person? What does it mean that I'm a Christian? When people think about the word Christian today, do they think about the teacher Or do they think about the followers and the religion and the way we try to, the way we try to play it out? Because this was a break from religion. That the disciples were actually called followers of their teacher rather than followers of their religion was a total break. What they were saying is this person has come and his teaching and his way of life is so dominant that it has completely taken hold of my heart and my life and and my ways of life. And now I want to live just like Jesus. I've coached football the last four years um, as an assistant coach at Summit Christian Academy where my son played for three, and then I finished with a group of seniors this year that I started with when they were freshmen. Um, and if you've never been to a football game, all the coaches wear the exact same thing um, on the sidelines. Like, we, we have a uniform like the kids have a uniform. Thank God in football, unlike baseball, you don't have to wear the uniform that the kids are wearing. Or It'd be ugly to see a bunch of usually overweight men on the football sideline in football pants. But you don't. Like, you get, you get to wear regular pants. Um, But there's another coach at Summit Christian um, who played quarterback at Air Force. He's now in the Air Force. He flies A-10s, who he and I have almost the exact same body type. Um, And and he has several daughters. Um, I have a son and a daughter. And every year, every year after one of the games, because we're wearing the same pants, same top, same hat, and from behind, we look identical because we're both about six foot two and weigh between 210 and 220 pounds, depending on how close it is to Thanksgiving. Um, like from behind, we look identical. And every season, one of his daughters has run up and given me a bear hug from behind, only to at some point have me turn around and then realize, you are not my dad. And this is very, very awkward. Um, it's getting better because as they get older, it's like, oh, it's you again. But the first few times, it was... It's really awkward. Um, When's the last time somebody embraced you because they mistook you for Jesus? Like you're just so similar in your life and your love and what you believe and in your teachings and and how you care about people that when they thought they were running towards Jesus, they they like accidentally hit hit you and they're like, oh, it's I thought you were someone else. When's the last time somebody mistook you for Jesus? Because at Antioch in Syria, the, the disciples looked so much like the teacher that they quit calling them disciples and they started calling them Christians. They're the Christ ones. They look like Jesus. That, that's the goal. That's the goal, to love God like Jesus loved God. Jesus, what's the most important thing? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and it's the greatest commandment. How do we learn to love God like Jesus loved God? The answer is discipleship. 
And at our church, we're, we're going to say discipleship is, is at least a fourfold process that helps us with Jesus in four key areas. It's the process of learning, one, how to know Jesus. Discipleship is the process of learning to know Jesus. It's being introduced to him, and it's learning to know who he is, and it's learning to know what he did, and it's learning to know how he lived his life. But James, Jesus' little brother, would say the demons know who Jesus is, so that's not the end of discipleship. The end of discipleship is not knowing who Jesus is because there are a lot of people who know who Jesus is who do not love God like Jesus did. So it's more than knowing Jesus. We also, letter B, have to love Jesus. It's the process of learning to know who Jesus is, so much so that we begin to love Jesus. Now, for some people, depending on your bent and your shape and how you came to Jesus, for some of you, let her be happen first. The Holy Spirit drew you and you began to love who Jesus was before you really understood a whole lot about him. Others of you who are shaped with a great intellect really knew everything there was to know about Jesus before your heart joins your head in that process. But discipleship, it's, it's both. It's learning to know so much about Jesus that you slowly begin to fall in love with who Jesus is. But it's not just, the, it's not just that. It's also learning to walk with Jesus. So it is, it is a mental thing. I love Jesus with all my mind. And it is, it is a heart thing. I love Jesus with all my heart. In the Old Testament, you would hear this verse written, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is my life. That is how I live my life. We know discipleship is a process of helping people not just answer the questions on the test, not just have kind of a love affair in their heart, but actually have their life guided by walking with Jesus every day. You say, how long do you walk with Jesus? Discipleship is a process of ultimately helping you to become like Jesus. So you walk with Jesus until you become like him, which Philippians 1.6 says is the last day after you're alive. That's when you become like Jesus. I'm confident, Paul said of this, that he who began a good work is going to carry it on until the day of Christ Jesus. So every day of your life, you're going to become, hopefully, if discipleship is working a little more like Jesus, and then you're going to die, and then the moment you die to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord, you're going to wake up and the spirit of Jesus is going to be completely in you. I've heard a pastor say the most important day of your life is the one after you die. Do you know where you'll spend it and who you spend it with? So what is discipleship? Discipleship is learning to know Jesus, learning to love Jesus, learning to walk with Jesus, and learning to become like Jesus. Those are the purposes of why churches, why Bible teaching, why our discipleship groups. That's, the, that's why we serve in our community, why we go on mission trips. All of those things are to accomplish these four purposes. But you heard me say it's a, it's a process. It's the process. Let's look, number two, at the process of discipleship because... Jesus was pretty clear on some of the big points of discipleship. What is the process of discipleship? The very last thing Jesus said to his disciples. So let's think about important statements. You know a big statement is coming when someone said, what's the biggest statement you can make spiritually? What's the, if there's only one thing to know spiritually, what is there to know? A big statement is coming. Love God with everything you have. A big statement is the last thing you say to people closest in your life. And in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, as Jesus gets ready to ascend into heaven, he makes his last statement, which would be a big statement. And we have it recorded. We now call it the Great Commission. It's what he told his disciples, his followers to go do. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This was Jesus' last statement. It was a big statement. And we're going to look at each of these kind of highlighted areas today, each of these four phrases, the process of discipleship. Jesus told his disciples to make more disciples. When we look at that phrase, make disciples, you have to realize the primary ministry of the church of Jesus Christ is to make disciples. Because, because Jesus told them, his last statement, this is the most important thing you can do. Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to go and make disciples. The primary ministry of the church of Jesus Christ is to make disciples. Now, it's important for you at this point in the message to remember how we define church. Because you're saying, well, I don't know, the journey does that very well. I would agree with you. You say, why do you think that is? Two primary reasons. One, because I'm the pastor. And two, because you're the congregation. <laughs> like, like, we are, we are, we are both the problem and the solution to making disciples at our church. Amen? Because remember, remember how we define church. We define church like the Bible defines church. It's, a, it's you. It's me. It's us. It's not a journey. It's not an organization. It's not a program. It's a person. So really, you, you, you are the church, and you decide whether or not you're accomplishing the primary ministry. Now, my job as the leader of our congregation is to help you learn how to do this, and that's what today is all about. That's what this vision day is all about, basically saying, here's how we're going to try to get you ready to go and do this. But Jesus said the process of disciples, he said, you've got to make disciples. I wish they were ready-made. I wish the minute someone received Jesus, they were a fully formed disciple, that they love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't you think it would be easier if God did it for you, yes or no? Yeah, I wish he did. Like, like Lord, I want, to, um, I want to receive your invitation to walk with Jesus, and could you just make me like, just like he is so I don't have to do anything? It's not the way it works. Jesus said you've got to make disciples. And we're going to look at three practices because Jesus said you're going to have at least these three things. And this is, for those, for those of you who, who nerd out in theology, you're going to be so far beyond this message. But let me, let me talk from a high view at where we have to start as a church because there's three, there's three practices. We're going to talk more about the purpose than the practice. But Jesus said make disciples. Here's the three things you have to do to make disciples. Number one, you've got to baptize them. Make disciples. Here's what you're going to baptize them. This is the identification step of becoming a follower of Jesus. Baptism is the time. It's the first step of following Jesus. It's the time you tell the world, I'm with him because of how he's been with me. Your baptism is the time you publicly identify. Jesus said, baptize them in the name of Jesus. In the Greek, it's the word into. Literally, you are baptizing them into a new identification. They're saying the most important thing you need to know about me is my connection and my relationship to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's the most important. That's, that's what I want to be known by now, my connection to a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you're, you're going to get baptized. That's going to identify you. Baptism is the way you tell the world, I'm with Jesus because of the way Jesus has been with me. Now, some people like to say, well, what, was everyone who was a follower of Jesus in the Bible baptized? It appears that almost all of them were. The thief on the cross was not. And I hear lots from people who are like, well, you know, I just don't want to be baptized, but the thief on the cross was not baptized. Do you have to be baptized in order to go to heaven? No, that would be salvation by works. That would mean you determine your salvation, not Jesus. 
But the first step of following Jesus is this identification, is telling the world, hey, I'm with him. And when people say, yeah, I understand that most people are supposed to be baptized, but like, I'm like the thief on the cross. And I'm like, okay, you get the nails, I'll get the wood. Like, it'll be messy, but like, how, like, I mean, if, they, if that's the way you want to tell the world I'm with Jesus, you can. There's a, I mean, gosh, there's an easier way, but we can do it that way if you want to. Like, no, 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 that's not what I meant. So no, I know that's not what you meant. You meant, I don't want to tell the world, but I'm telling you, that's not an option. Telling Jesus I don't want to be baptized is like having your spouse say, here's what I'd like for you to do to love me well. And you say, no, I don't want to do that. Because, like, it's a relationship. And Jesus, who gave his life for you, is asking you to identify with him. On our, on our kind of daily reflections this week, we got a good one on Friday. This daily reflection sheet, for those of you who weren't here last week, just trying to help you spend three minutes every day reflecting on the message Friday this week. When were you baptized? Was it your statement to the world that you had chosen to identify with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in your life? If not, would you consider taking that first step? Maybe you kind of pass first base and you're on to second and third and home. But listen, your baptism is not your parents' decision. Your baptism is not your church's decision. So I got baptized because I had to get baptized to join the church. It's not why you get baptized. My baptized, I got baptized when I was a baby because my mom, my mom and dad won't. That's, that's, not, that's, not that's not how it works in discipleship. Baptism is this point of identifying it. Like, I'm telling the world I'm, I'm with him. If your baptism was not your statement to the world of I'm with him, you need to consider when you're going to do that um, or, or take it up with God whether you want to do like, do you want to be the thief on the cross or everyone else who got to be baptized in water in Scripture? So baptism, it's a big deal to identify with Jesus publicly. It's a step of discipleship. The second step, teaching. Jesus said, go and make disciples. You're going to help them identify publicly with me. But then there is, for discipleship to work, there is a curriculum. There is a content. There is a a set of knowledge that they have to understand. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Here's how you make disciples. You help them learn everything that Jesus taught about everything. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. The next step of following Jesus is learning everything that he taught and how he lived his life. Sadly, in the church, I feel like we have one or the other of these. Discipleship is all knowledge or it's, or it's like all living. You have people say, I know everything that Jesus taught. I got my Awana vest and my John MacArthur patch. And it's like, yes, <laughs> but like you're such a jerk. Like I, like, I know that. I know you know it all, and everyone else does, because you tell us all the time. But you don't appear to, you don't look like Jesus. Any of you work in the food industry? Anyone who works in the food industry will tell you they don't want to work on Sunday afternoon because Christians who come in after church are the meanest, cheapest people that they ever serve. Say, how, 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 how do they know they're Christians? They wear their wanna vest, and, and then they order their food, and then they're mean, and then they don't tip well. Like, Yes, I get, I get that you know everything. But are you loving like Jesus? Then we have people who are like, I just love like Jesus. And I raise butterflies and I save the whales. And say, like, yes, but you don't believe anything in the Bible. <laughs> Neither one of those groups are, are disciples. Because, I will bring it. Because disciples, <laughs> Hallelujah. I've been praying for one Pentecostal and they finally showed up. Thank you, Jesus. 
because disciples learn everything and they live how Jesus lived. It's both, it's both, it's both, it's both. So we've said at our church, we got to do better here. We got to do better in the information piece. So a year ago, I reached out to a group in our church um, and said, will you help me reshape our discipleship ministry? I think we need to do better. Um, Because of the long, crazy COVID year, we met yesterday for the first time, seven people in the room, four of them um, who have graduated from seminary, one who will soon, and two who have given their entire life to the ministry and the organization of discipleship. Nobody loves the teaching of Jesus, probably knows more about the teaching of Jesus or has given more of their life to discipleship. And I said, will you help me? Jesus said, you can't be disciples without his key teaching. So what do we have to teach people for them to be disciples? And we came up with what we believe is at a minimum, at a minimum, the content we have to teach you in order to love God like Jesus loved Jesus, like like Jesus loved God. Um, Seven things we think that discipleship leaders are responsible for in disciple making. Number one, we got to teach people Bible study methods. John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. He said, you got to set them apart and make them look more like me. So that happens through your word. So we know it's, it's our responsibility as, as leaders to help teach you how to study the Bible. We got to teach you how to every day open the word of God and learn it for yourself. That is our responsibility as a church, but it, but it doesn't stop there. We also, we are responsible, I believe, to, to teach you key studies in theology. Hebrews 6, 1 says, at some point, you've got to get beyond the elementary stuff you talk about every Sunday. You've got to get deep into some theological structure. It's, it's the responsibility of church leadership to teach key areas of theology to the church. It's also important that the church teach sound doctrine and guard sound doctrine. Paul told Timothy, you've got to watch your life and your doctrine. So even some of these secondary issues, you got to teach the church what the Bible says about everything in the way that you process life. I believe, especially in the year 2021, that apologetics is a big deal. In 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says, if you want to be good disciples, you really are going to have to have an answer for every question. Your answer should be gentle. Your answer should be respectful. But you really, you really got to be able to have answers for questions. We believe, number five, that there are some pillars of Scripture that every disciple should have a strong grasp on. Um, in 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul said, you know that the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation. Um, foundational books of the Bible like Genesis, foundational books of the Bible like the book of John, uh, foundational groupings in scripture like Luke and Acts, like Leviticus in Hebrew, like Daniel and Revelation for learning a little bit of prophecy, like Isaiah for understanding the global work of God on, uh, on the spectrum of eternity, um, like the book of Romans for understanding theology. It's like there are probably 10 books that every Christian should know inside and out, and it's our job to have classes that teach these to our church. Um, we believe that there should be real-time care and equipping. In 1 Corinthians 7.1, Paul told the church in Corinth, now about your questions, there is a part of discipleship that is, here's, what's my life, here's what my life is going through, what's, what, is, what does God want me to do? 
So we know marriage classes. We started last spring a marriage class right before COVID shut us down that dozens of young couples were like, I want my marriage to look more like what the Bible wants my marriage to look like. We know parenting classes. Um, We thought we needed to offer parenting classes for people with young children, and then we had grown children and began to hang out with people with grown children, and we're like, "We we need parenting classes for people with adult children just so we can all cry together and then then and then like we can go we can go home we like we know there are what do you do when you're single how do you manage your money um what do you do when you're walking through grief what do you do when you walk through divorce stuff like financial peace how do you help me understand like real time areas of my life and then and then we know number 7 this thought of memorizing scripture i believe there's probably 50 verses that every Christian should have memorized that just constantly roll around in their mind and their heart as they live their life. Psalm 119, 11 says, I hide God's word in my heart so that I don't sin against God. We, we, we are right now shaping a content curriculum to help our church learn the teaching of Jesus that will take a minimum of three years to get through, a minimum of three years, because it took three years to get, for Jesus to get his disciples ready. Which means if Jesus can competently disciple someone in three years, it will probably take a guy like me, 30. Um, people who are like, they got saved a year ago and they don't look like Jesus is. Like, you're asking me to do something Jesus did not. Like, can I at least have three years? <laughs> Please give me just a little bit of time. Um, we're going to shape a content curriculum in some classes that take a minimum of three years, but honestly, a maximum of a lifetime. And this fall, we're going to have a whole new discipleship track of groups that you can choose from to figure out what's the next thing you add to your faith. I need some Bible teachers. I need some of you who have taught like Sunday school at your old church to come teach Sunday school at ours. We, we need some gifted teachers. We need some people who have been through these things to teach them to others because it's the only way you really... Jesus said you make disciples by teaching them everything that I have taught and, and teaching people to do those as well. Our, we have an apologetics class actually this semester. Thursday nights at 6.30, you can learn to answer hard questions. Now, we have a systematic theology class this semester, Sunday nights at 6 p.m. You can learn key studies in theology. Now, maybe you've been wanting to kind of flex your spiritual brain a little bit. Um, I want to encourage you when our discipleship groups begin um, this winter, go to an apologetics class, go to a systematic theology class. Take a break from where you've been and engage in what you need because Jesus said you can't make disciples without learning the teaching. It's really, really key. And I've invited a a really gifted and experienced group of people in and said, help me develop this so we can roll it out to our church. And then the third aspect of discipleship, I call an invitation. Jesus said, baptize them, teach them. But then he said, tell them I'm going to be with them. I see this as an invitation. There is this constant in the life of Jesus and his followers that, that he like wants to do life together with us. This is the final and forever steps of a follower of Jesus. Walk with him every moment of every day. You say, when's that one end? Never. If you're a follower of Jesus, never. It's the final and forever step of discipleship. Paul put it this way in Galatians 5, but I say walk. This word walk in different English translations is live. Basically, it's, this is the only way to get through your life every day. You got to walk with Jesus. Walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Followers of Jesus want to live like Jesus, but you can't do that unless you walk with Him. 
every day. It's just too hard because the flesh and the world are fighting against you at every point. We believe at our church, obviously, a huge part of this is prayer. Paul told the church at Thessalonica, pray without ceasing. So right now we're engaged in 10 days of wait and pray. Every Monday morning we pray. Once you learn how to pray and talk to God, you, talk, you find yourself talking to him all the time. Um, so there, there is a purpose of discipleship to help you love God like Jesus did. There is a process of discipleship, identifying, getting the right information, accepting the invitation to walk with Jesus every day, and then we'll just boil this down. There is a pathway of discipleship at our church. Here's how we're hoping to make disciples who will make disciples. The top of the discipleship funnel at Journey is growth track, step one. That's, that's step one for us. You say, where am I on the map of discipleship at Journey? If you haven't done that, that's where you are, growth track. It happens every Sunday during the 9, 30, and 11 o'clock services. Step one really helps you understand the mission that God has called us to. Step two helps you understand the mission God has called you to. Step three helps you live for Jesus and lead every day of your life. Step four gives you an invitation to, to jump into deeper into our discipleship funnel so that you can walk with Jesus. It helps you understand where you are, where you're headed. You drop the pin. You can do that on your phone. It's amazing. Um, the, the core of our discipleship funnel um, at Journey are going to be our growth groups which we will slowly begin to change our vernacular. There'll be discipleship groups. If our groups don't accomplish discipleship, they're failing the mission that Jesus gave us. So the core of the discipleship funnel at Journey are our growth groups. If you are not in a group, probably the only way to join a new group in the COVID world is to join a men's or women's Bible study group. Those are happening Tuesday night. Both of them are here, men's and women's. You'll be around tables. You don't have to go into someone's home that you don't know if they're sick. You don't have to invite someone into your home that you're unsure of them. Um, you can be a part of a men's study or a women's study Tuesday night at Journey and begin to learn some of the core curriculum that we talked about of the teaching of Jesus. We've got our current classes, apologetic, systematic theology. We've got our care and equipping groups on Monday night, helping people move through real life issues. In February, we'll have six weeks of our undivided study where we continue as a church to say, how do we do better in areas of racial unity? And of course, we've got the dozens of groups that meet around the city, kind of sermon-based small groups, um, watching video curriculums, learning together. You need at some point to learn in community if you've not done that and you say, all right, I'll, 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 I'll take the bait. I'll take the bait. Let me, let me figure out how to get in a group. Um, you say, how do I find out where all of them are? Text two words, journey groups to 47, 47, 47. Men can be a part of our men's group. Ladies can be a part of our ladies' groups. Let's just begin to dig in walking closer to Jesus together because the bottom of the funnel, what we hope to produce in our church, the bottom of the discipleship funnel at JCI are disciple makers disciple makers. We have two men on our discipleship leadership team that have given their entire life to disciple making. Um, literally their job every day is to get out of bed and make a disciple who will lead disciples. We also have two men on this team who have both arranged their life in the last few years to figure out how to retire years earlier than they were going to by kind of massively downsizing in some cases so that by the age, one of them before they're 50 and one of them in the next few years so they can retire, live the life they've always lived, not have to be paid a dime and spend the last 25 years of their life discipling people for free. Like they've said, we want to be a pastor at the church. I feel like God has told me to give my entire life to discipleship. So I'm going to figure out how to retire 20 years early so that I can spend the best years of my life discipling people. Those are the type of people God has sent to our church who are helping us in this process. And I'm telling you, we need their help and we're excited. You say, why? 
because of what we believe God has called us to do. This series is called This is Journey. You say, what is journey? Hopefully, Lord willing, journey is a group of people obsessed about becoming better disciples and one day disciple makers. You say, why? Because we follow Jesus and that's what he told us to do. And last week, as followers of Jesus, we saw him tell us to lean in and pray, so we're learning to pray. This week, we see Jesus tell us to become disciples who make disciples, so we're going to try to do that. We're going to try to be who Jesus called us to be, starting with how much we love God just like he did, how we live for God just like he did, how maybe we impact the world for God maybe a little bit like he did. Our world needs it. I need it. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm in. When Jesus says we become a disciple, it's like, I'm in. Help me understand everything you taught and then give me the strength to live that way. I'm in. And you said, will you help somebody else do it? Yes, I will. Yes, I will. We're going to need a lot of your help. We're going to need all of your commitment. We're going to need everyone moving in the same direction. But if we do that, I promise you, this community will see the light of Jesus in this group of people who go to church in this building. We pray with me this morning. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed all over the room but hearts are open. If you're here today and you've never met Jesus, you've never started a relationship with Jesus, he came to connect you to God so he could help you feel the love of God like he did and one day love God just like he did. He could be the savior of your soul. He is the king of a future eternal kingdom. If you've never started a relationship with Jesus, but today you want to, all you have to do is open up your heart to heaven and pray something like this, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, forgive my sin. Jesus, I surrender to your teaching and your way of life. Jesus, I want to follow you and become a Christian. If that's your heart, if that's your spirit, if that's your decision today, you walked in here and you would not have called yourself a Christian, a Jesus follower, but you want to walk out choosing to follow Jesus, answering the call to become a follower of his. Just in your heart, say, Jesus, amen. Forgive me, cleanse me lead me, teach me. If today that's your decision, in just a second, Pastor Mike's going to be on the stage. He'll tell you how you can talk to one of our Next Steps team members and get some good information about walking with Jesus. You can tell someone today, I want to become a Christian. They'll pray with you. And if you just already prayed in your seat or at home to say yes to Jesus, you got to tell them, today I decided to follow Jesus. What do I do now? It's the best day and the first day best day of your life and the first day of your eternal life as you move forward but let me talk to the Christians in the room heads bowed, eyes closed, hearts open, Christians in the room and online, are you walking with Jesus enough to become like Jesus do you love God with everything you have, if not what do you need to do today, what's your next step you need to identify through baptism if your baptism was not your announcement if it was not your free will announcement to the world that i'm with him you need to get baptized do you need to learn the teachings of jesus through daily bible reading choosing classes that are going to help you really progress in areas where you're not strong yet what do you need to do commit to a step then take that step then continue walking with jesus every day father we thank you that you sent Jesus to model for us what it looked like to love God with all your heart and mind and soul. And then God, I thank you that you called Jesus to call us to follow his pattern. 
not just to understand his teaching and to follow his teaching and not just to understand his way of life and to follow his way of life but as disciples to understand and follow his teaching while we were becoming just like him and Lord I believe if we do that we will stand out as much today in our Kansas City community as he did in his communities of Nazareth in the greater community of Galilee and in the community of Jerusalem God I pray you'd make us a light in the darkness and God I pray you draw our hearts towards Jesus help us to know him help us to love him help us to walk with him until we become just like him and Lord on our journey help us to make more disciples to learn the teaching so we can share it with others to identify so everyone knew